This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm ready. And today we have – folks, 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 I, this, no introduction is really necessary. If you listen to any of the Minute Movies by Minute podcast family of podcasts, you know her so well. She is the queen of Movies by Minute podcast. We are so blessed to have her here today, Mrs. Crystal Beth. Oh, my gosh. What an intro. I got all goosebumps. <laughs> You know, I, I think I could go on for 30 minutes with all your credentials, and it probably wouldn't do justice to just exactly who it is that you are. But in case we have anybody out there that doesn't listen to, or maybe this is the first Movies by Minute podcast that they've come to, they maybe aren't familiar with you. Can you give us a little bit, bit of a background on who you are and what it is that you do? Oh, of course. So I am a comedian that lives in New York City, and I love movies, and I always have, which is great. And then I was asked to do the Star Wars Minute a while ago, and from that, I've done Every minute podcast that's asked me to do it because I love it so much. And I also host a video game podcast through Cave Comedy Radio Network called Unlimited Lives. And that's super fun because video games are great. And uh, yeah, I do stand up and some improv. And I write not enough, but I do it. <laughs> so just started writing two pilots. So that's exciting. <gasps> really? Uh, oh, yes. wow. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, so we'll see how those end up going. Uh, yeah. So gosh, is this, is this a pilot for, uh, for network TV or like a web series or, or how much can you get into that? Uh, I'm writing them with the idea of them being bought by Netflix. Ooh, wow. Yes. Oh, one awesome. of them is based off of superheroes and one of them is based off of Star Wars. That so, is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm just listening to uh, some other podcasts last night about you know like content creation and whatnot, and it sounds like Netflix um, from there they, they they did some sort of like I guess uh, thing where they invited the media recently to kind of tell about like what it is they have coming up for the next year, or next couple of years, and it sounds like they're moving to almost a completely Netflix content uh, situation. So yeah. uh, it sounds like they are just starving for content over there. They need so much stuff, and that is. Uh, well, that, that's amazing. I, I, I really look forward to seeing this project when Netflix eventually picks it up, and we have no doubt that they will. So. Oh, they will. I mean, yeah. <laughs> one of them, uh, the Star Wars one, takes place kind of in a uh, – so if you think of the world today and things that are going on, like in Syria and everything, we are just kind of outsiders to it. We understand that it's going on, but we're not affected by it completely. And in Star Wars, everyone's in the meat of the problem. So this would take place outside of the meat of the problem where they talk about how things are happening. They're like, did you hear what happened on Tatooine? That's just crazy. So it's <laughs> the Star Wars universe, but not as we know it. So I'm really excited for that. So well, that sounds amazing. something comes from it. So let's get into a little bit of uh, your experience with Jurassic Park. Now, we had you on Ghostbusters Minute previously, and you had some experience with that movie. But uh, am, am I wrong in reading that you're a little bit more of a Jurassic Park fan than you were a Ghostbusters fan? Oh, hands down. Jurassic Park is one of my favorite movies in the world. Awesome. Really? Maybe. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, I can't remember the first time I saw it because I've just always seen it. Mm -hmm. And I remember just thinking that it was so magic. It was just magic. Yeah. And the music was amazing. The, uh, ring, my ringtone on my phone when ringtones were a cool thing was the Jurassic Park theme. <laughs> and uh, I just... 
I, I think the jokes are so good and all the characters have such good arcs and the production value is great. And I just have fun when I watch it. Yeah. So. It's, it's, we've kind of said that there's a little bit of magic to this movie that you can't really recreate. There's something about it, a je ne sais quoi, if you will, that yes. uh, like you're saying, it's, it's the music, it's the dialogue, the funny jokes uh, and everything coming together to make this kind of like perfect storm Brady and I have a hard time really kind of putting our finger on what exactly that thing is. And I think that might be the core conceit of this show. We're trying to figure out what is it about Jurassic Park that's really given it this what's, lasting... What's, uh, yeah. What's so frustrating about that is you'll never be able to figure... Or at least you'll never be able to articulate it. It's kind of like when... Um, I, can, I can explain to you like how good this brownie I'm eating tastes. You know? You're but eating I a only... brownie? No, no, no. Yeah, you won't share either. Can you believe that? Wow. Right? And... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, but I'll never be able to like completely articulate how the actual taste of it works. Uh, yes. No one will ever be able to like convey why something gives someone a certain vibe or yeah. create that certain magical feel like y'all are talking about. Um, it's like, this... Go ahead. It, it's like taking a picture of a sunset or a sunrise. Oh, well, yeah. That's you take it and you're like, way to put it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it, you don't understand. People are like, wow, that's really pretty. You're like, no, you don't understand because you need, not only do you need the visual of what it is, you need to feel the crisp of the air. You need to smell what it smells like. You need to feel what you're wearing and what everyone around you is doing or what no one around you is doing and hear the sounds. And when you, it kind of, I think Jurassic Park a little bit appeals to more senses, I guess, like sense, like movie senses. So it has really good one-liners, really clever dialogue. Everyone's passionate about what they do, even especially in one of the minutes that we're uh, going into. I think the first minute, I'm excited to talk about that exact thing with uh, how just the excitement they have when they're about to start the ride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't hear anyone's dialogue, but it was the first time I watched it with subtitles yeah. that I can tell that they're actually saying things in character, but having fun and guaranteed it was improvised. Like they're like, just have a good time in the car. And it's things like that where everything flows so well and all the characters know each other. And oh, yeah. it's like no, a sunset. I, yeah. <laughs> it's like a sunset or, or brownie on a sunset. How about that? Oh my uh, gosh. Eating brownie on a sunset. I think that there, there there was a little bit more improv in this movie than maybe we were all led to believe when it originally came out. Brady and I have kind of picked up on some of that, and I think like you're saying here in the car, it's it, it, you know th- these characters aren't um, they're they're fine characters. There's nothing about them that's like particularly outstanding, but the way that everybody plays them in the movie, especially like Jeff Goldblum, really did something oh special gosh. with the Ian Malcolm character, and they're so bought into what they are in these characters that you know Steven Spielberg could just turn the camera on and be like. All right, we got five takes. Give me just an improv one and just a little dialogue they have going on with each other. It's completely believable that this is just this crazy situation that might have actually taken place. Which you know, uh, I was a big fan of Michael Crichton's books going up, uh, growing up, and he had a way of making you believe that the Andromeda strain actually happened, even though there was no way on Earth that a space virus could come down and wipe out an entire town and we wouldn't know about it. But when you're right. reading the book, you're like, oh my God, this might, did I find like secret government documents on this thing they're trying to cover up like it actually happened? So yeah. it, kind of, it kind of buys into that whole thing where like, I believe watching this movie that, yeah, sure, dinosaurs could be cloned from uh, you know, mosquito DNA. Yeah, that's something that could happen. And then you start looking into the science of it, and it's like, no, not really. That's well, not how it works. But You know, something yeah. we kind of have to address um, is this dinosaur tail. It was this yeah. Yeah. 
know. At the end of this article, it was like, all right, listen, before anybody gets too excited, the Jurassic Park premise is still impossible. Because yes. <laughs> DNA like, that, dies. Yeah, yeah it, it so degrades crazy. over time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People know that's going to be a question, so they have to address it right up front for everybody. Yeah, so that's that's pretty crazy. But uh, hey, uh, we could sit around and discuss the science of Jurassic Park all day. But do you guys want to go ahead and get into the minute? Oh yeah. All right. In the previous minute, we saw the interior of the tour parked vehicles. The minute ended with Tim following Alan Grant into a tour SUV and telling him that dinosaurs didn't look like giant birds to him. At minute forty, Tim tells Grant that he heard a theory about a giant meteor that struck down in Mexico. Grant opens the door and slides out of the car. At minute 40 and 13 seconds, Tim follows Grant out of the car. Grant stops him and asks which car he intended on riding in. Tim tells him that it was going to be whichever one he was riding in. Grant walks away from the car and toward the one in front. Tim tells Grant about an article that he read in Omni magazine. As Tim tells Grant about the article, Grant opens a car door and lets Tim step inside. Grant closes the door before Tim can finish his statement. As Grant leaves Tim, Lex is standing in his path and playing with her hair. Lex tells Grant that Ellie told her to ride with Grant because it would be good for him. We see Ellie laughing at the situation as Ray's voice can be heard on the PA system announcing that the boat leaving for the mainland is now loading and will be leaving at 1900 hours. Grant looks at Ellie and nods. At 40 minutes and 48 seconds, we cut to Muldoon and Hammond walking into the control center. Muldoon tells Hammond that the National Weather Service is tracking a storm 75 miles west of them. Hammond asks himself, why didn't he build in Orlando? Muldoon looks at the weather display of the storm on the computer and says that he'll keep an eye on it. And thus ends minute number 40 of Jurassic Park. So in this minute, we get a lot of uh, back and forth between Joseph Mazzello and, uh, I'm sorry, Tim and Grant here in this scene. And it kind of plays into the further, you know, I think Ellie's kind of spurring them on because she knows it's going to be bothering Grant the whole time. Uh, it's some, some really cute interactions there, too, about where he's like, you know, oh, is you know, in the previous minute we saw him talking about, well, you know, they don't look like birds to me, you know, the, the dinosaurs. But now we have Tim kind of like questioning like the whole extinction thing, yeah. um, which is uh, which is pretty interesting. So you know, like recently there was actually, I think, you know, so I guess growing up the whole time I had heard that it was an asteroid that came down and destroyed, you know, or like sent up this gigantic cloud of dust which blocked out the sun, caused all the plants to die, and then the dinosaurs had nothing to eat, and then they died as well. But apparently uh, there's been new evidence that it might not have been a meteorite at all that killed dinosaurs, but actually a gigantic volca volcanic, I guess is the way to say it, event where multiple volcanoes were going off around the Earth at the same time because of some geological stuff that was going on. And Ooh. that actually filled the air with toxic gas. The dinosaurs basically all choked and died at the same time. But uh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Crystal, what are your thoughts on this minute? Uh, oh, I, I like this minute. Mm -hmm. I think it's a it's a really fun one for me to start on too. It's a great way to, it's a good intro for the characters. If say pretend I didn't see any of the other movie at all, if this is the first time that I'm seeing everything, it's we kind of get a clue onto what and how everyone reacts. And I love that uh, Laura Dern is like. Go go hang out with the kids. Yeah, he's so <laughs> mad about it, and you could just see how frustrated he is. And kids are uh, chatty; they are very yeah. chatty, and sometimes it gets very annoying. And this Tim just wants him to love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so cute. His line, like whichever one you were, is after he thinks takes a second to think about it. 
what's funny is that there must have come a point where Grant was like, hey, see that old lawyer guy? Why don't you, he's really cool. Why don't you guys go get him and talk to him and put him in the car? <laughs> right? And I'm going to run back there. Like, look the other way. I'm, and just runs and gets in the other car. Oh, I love it. He just yeah, like but, sticks him in the car and is like, this is where you're sitting. Yeah. The the character interaction too of him closing the door on Tim's face and Tim not stopping what he's doing <laughs> at all. Tim needs to talk to him as he's as he's walking away. It's just, you know, when you're a little kid and you meet like one of your idols like that, you just want to chat their ear off. You know, you think like, oh, this person's here to talk to me now. You know? Yeah. yeah. But I, I'm sorry, Brady, I cut you off. What um, were you saying? No, no, no. I mean, the thing that like really drives home all the, just the, you know, adorable um, moment here is John Williams' music. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, you're following every bit of it. And then, like we said in the, the last minute, Steven Spielberg's sense of blocking, of where the camera's going to end up and who, which actor is going to be following it all is just so well exemplified in, in right here in this sequence. So, but um, I tell you what, Tim does mention a guy named Backer, and yeah. that is a, an actual person. He's a um, very prolific uh, American paleontologist who it's kind of responsible for what they call the dinosaur renaissance that was kind of going on back in the 70s. And a dinosaur, if you will. <laughs> yeah, a dinosaur. There you go. But uh, let's see. And he was also a major advisor for Jurassic Park, um, along with, as everybody familiar with the movie knows, a guy named uh, Jack Horner, who we'll definitely go into a little bit later. Alan Grant is actually based on, that character is based on Jack Horner. Oh, that's awesome. Um, well, yeah, apparently Jack Horner and uh, Robert Baker, excuse me, Robert Backer, for years had had a debate on whether or not T-Rex was a hunter or a scavenger. Well, for um, The Lost World, there is a paleontologist character in that that's based on Dr. Backer. His name is Dr. Uh, Burke. And it's a pretty funny performance. Well, he ends up getting eaten by the T-Rex, like pulled out of a waterfall. And, so, uh, yeah, I so remember that part. Yeah. And so apparently Backer wrote uh, Jack Horner a note saying, see, I told you T-Rex was a hunter. <laughs> so, oh, that's that's funny. Funny. so I remember yeah. this argument for a while. Basically, they were saying that the T-Rex was, I think, because of its arms and everything, it would not have made a good hunter. That it's very difficult for something with a head that size to go and like actually engage in a fight with something uh, that was larger than it. But they were saying that it was more like a, a, a giant vulture. I think is what they were getting at as far as it being a scavenger that it would go around and basically find the remains of dinosaurs that had died from like a velociraptor attack or, you know, whatever. I don't even know if those were around at the same time. Um, and that was very disappointing to me uh, when I was younger hearing that this gigantic yeah, awesome looking dinosaur might actually have been nothing more than just like a, you know, a rat running around looking for, you know, advantageous situations yeah. instead of something I actually got and hunt. Yeah. Well, what's whole... funny. I mean, no, go ahead, Crystal. Sorry. Uh, a whole thing with the dinosaurs and as you get older and they figure things more about dinosaurs, you yeah. learn more and more. I, I hate that they are more like birds now. Like they've figured out mm -hmm. that if dinosaurs were like anything, as opposed to them being like reptiles, they were more like a bunch of birds. Can you imagine how annoying that would be <laughs> to have yeah. these big, like, because the way they moved was like birds and like, just picture all different sizes of chickens and doves and <laughs> Parrots and stuff just squawking <laughs> and yelling at each other and just pooping everywhere. And that's instead of it being this epic, monstrous, crazy place that we expected when we were growing up, it's actually just a stinky aviary. Yeah. <laughs> of annoying fowl just pecking at you and getting mad at each other. And so maybe it is a good thing that Jurassic Park could probably never happen because we'd yeah. always be so disappointed <laughs> right. with a bunch of like massive pigeons walking around. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. as as beautiful as the birds are, if you just ever like sit in your backyard and like listen to birds chirping, like, oh, this one single bird I have in this backyard that's making this beautiful music, it's fine. If it was an entire planet of nothing but that, like you said, yeah. this gigantic aviary of just, just, I mean, birds are gross when you get a lot of they them together. Are. Yeah. And they're not all, they don't all sound good. So you no, get like the, the cute songbird and then you know, all of a sudden you hear, yeah. like that awful sound. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I, I wish, right? That's what I was just going to say. I was like, I wish that the knowledge of dinosaurs stopped at them being like kind of loud lizards. <laughs> yeah, so it's, like, it's like Ian Malcolm. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's, it's like Ian Malcolm was saying, like, it's, it's science. It's all about, you know, like, can I and not should I. It's just keep right. the bird information to yourself. We want to have it in our imaginations <laughs> like it was. Right, and then when they found the feather in the sap in the resin. Uh, it didn't, it didn't like, just oh, kind of no. seal the deal. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, they were birds. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Seeing well, something that's more like a giant dragon in your mind is badass. Seeing yeah, it covered in like, like a beautiful plume of feathers is just like, oh, come on now. Yeah. It's like if, if I had like a giant alligator with two massive legs running around as opposed to like a <laughs> peacock chasing me. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> I, I, I will say this, Brady. You and I live in a place where it's not completely uncommon to come across an alligator. Like, you and I That's could true. both drive about five minutes from where we live right now, and there's alligator-infested territory. I'm not really scared of those alligators. However, if I go to a lake and there are swans there, you bet your ass I'm running away from the swans as fast as I can. I'm not scared of the giant lizard. I'm scared of the giant angry yeah. bird. They're jerks. They are complete jerks. They're jerks. They're and jerks, they're, man. And they think that they're bigger than they are, so they, they're all sassy and – They'll fight you, and and they run with their wings out, and yeah. they they have that weird wobble, and I'm doing it in my living room right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. ugh, I hate yeah. them. And you you were in New York City, where it's just like an epidemic. I mean, you got to walk around these things. I had one and... slap me in my face the other day. It just oh, what? To where I was, and it got scared a second too late, and as it flew up in the air, it was like. <laughs> To my face, <laughs> like not on purpose. Were you, were, it happened to be. Like, what was that? Were you were you were you able to keep your composure during all of that? No, of course not. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, ah, ah, ah. just slapping around in the wind. <laughs> to get back to the minute, real quick. So, okay, Lex has this little crush on Grant. and we kind of come back to it a little bit later. Ellie's like continuing to use it to kind of you know, screw with Grant, and when she, like, falls down and then won't let go of his hand. But do they ever really go back to that beyond that? I know it's there to, like, help Grant's character grow and all that, but the whole crush thing, it seems like they're setting something up, and then it just kind of disappears. Which, I mean, where could you take that in this in this whole scenario? Right. But, yeah. No, that's so, Jurassic Park also, 5. He comes back, and, they, you know, she's older, and they have a, like, you know, a May-December relationship. But, oh, um, you know, I, I, I think that once they got, had the situation with Tyrannosaurus Rex, and they're in more of a feral state of survival, there's not really any time for any cute yeah. stuff. And Lex, Lex's character really doesn't start to grow until, you know, she's freaking out because Gennaro left them in the car. You know, like, yeah. after that panic that. mode. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that 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 scene where she's screaming that like bothers me so much. But I, I think that you know her um, the cool thing about her character is that she comes into play later with all the computer hacking stuff, right? So that's yeah. her skill set. Yeah. When she's out in the open, she's a little bit more of a um, I don't I don't want to girly girl or whatever, but she's definitely like her her niche is in technology. Yeah, I tell you what. So for all of these people, like their primary instinct is just run, duck for cover, and get out. This chick, when they're in the kitchen later, is using all of her wit. 
Yeah. All of her immediate ability to just trick that Velociraptor into running into her reflection, looking out for her brother, you know, it's, and then of course she runs and like saves in the fridge and all that, but, uh, yeah, no, she's yeah. definitely the hero in the, in, in the back third of this yes. movie. She's definitely the one kind of yeah. controlling, you know, like you've, uh, yeah. she's the one kind of setting up, like it, trying to help him in the kitchen, like you said. And then when they get to the, having to lock the system down, if they didn't have her there, the Velociraptors would have yeah. gotten them. So. And, you know, in the book, it's, uh, and I know we're not doing, you know, Jurassic Park book minute or whatever, but um, their, their ages were reversed. And Lex and that was a little girl who just, I mean, could not do anything. She's with really, really, really young characters. So it was just kind of someone there to tag along. And uh, whenever they switched like the Jurassic roles, I'm glad that they didn't. Yeah, exactly. Like in Jurassic World, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's um, that's all I've got for this minute. Aside from the little quip that he says about I should have built in Orlando. And he's like, listen, if you think bad weather is not a problem there, you got, you know. Yeah, right? Wrong <laughs> yeah. There. I think yeah. Orlando or like does have a lot of sunshine, but I think it's what, on average, if you go to, to a Disney park, like, during the summer, it's not, is it going to rain today, but, like, how long is it going to rain for what hours? I yeah. mean, they close it, you know, every now and then for a hurricane that comes through. So, yeah, it was a very strange line. I remember even being younger and hearing that and be like, no, no, wait a minute. I know Orlando <laughs> weather, and that's not right. So, uh, Do you guys have anything else for this minute? No, that – the, the Orlando line was pretty much the last for me. We do get a little bit of the scene of the computer control room here where Muldoon walks in with the weather report. Uh, so we're kind of ha start the ticking clock of yeah. the weather situation in this minute. And, I, I, you know, we've mentioned this on other shows. I'll just uh, say it again. It'll probably feed in the next few minutes. I really like what they do with the storm here. Uh, it's, you know, fed to you a little bit early right here when Muldoon comes in says, well, the National Weather, you know, services, we've got the storm coming in. You know, we know it's there. We don't really hear about it. They slowly start to pick up on the wind. We don't really, you know, there's a little bit of drizzle of rain. We really don't see it until they're there with that Triceratops in a few minutes. Uh, and then it gets, it slowly builds. It's a very slow build over the next 10 minutes of this ticking clock that's coming in the background. And then that yeah. becomes like really, you know, the element of chaos in this whole thing. Michael Creighton wrote this book to kind of get the idea of chaos theory out there to the general public. And I think it's really personified in the storm. So we're getting the first little inklings of that, like right here, something bad is coming. It's going to make the situation much, much worse. Yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's the, I mean, there are a couple of like ticking clocks in this Nidri with his whole plan is one. And then the storm is definitely one that's, you know, it's not going anywhere. You know, mm -hmm. we can try and fix this whole dinosaur thing and run from it. But the storm is something that's really going to just screw everything up. Yeah. Which screws yeah. up Nidri's plan, which would have screwed, you know, he might've like been able to get back and redo all the power in the park or whatever. So the storm is really what, uh, sets up all the chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Brady. Thanks, Brady. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we are going to go ahead and wrap today's minute up. But Crystal, uh, you're going to be here with us all, re all week. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Awesome. So we're very lucky to have awesome. you here. Thank you so much for joining us. So, uh, folks, we'll be back tomorrow for minute number 41. So until then, uh, actually, before we go, Crystal, can you just tell people real quick where they can find you uh, on the Internet? Sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Crystal Beth and listen to Unlimited Lives podcast. It's Unlimited Lives Radio on iTunes and on twitch.tv slash Unlimited Love. And if you want to watch me play video games, it's uh, twitch.tv slash Ms. Sparkle Diamond. MS Sparkle Diamond. Oh, and I'm starting my own minute podcast soon. And that's coming <gasps> out the day after Christmas. Awesome. Yes. I'll be doing the fifth else? element. Yeah, I, I'm really pumped too. It's really exciting. So it's I'm doing it with my boyfriend, and we're taking little bits and pieces from all the minute podcasts that we like, and we're just gonna have a good time. We didn't do a series because we wanted to be able to uh, stop if people hate us.
Yes. <laughs> well, that's, I, I heard that um, you were going to be doing one. It's I was like, it's about time. You know, we got Crystal Beth in here doing doing one of the movies by minutes podcast. So I can't wait, man. That's such part a part of the group. Reunion. Yeah, well, I want. I just wanted to be a part of the Cool Kids group, so I forced myself <laughs> to make one. Oh well, it's going to be awesome. Uh, the fifth element, uh, the fifth element, it's 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 such a fun film. That's going to be a great podcast. We look forward to that. So that's going to be dropping uh, December twenty sixth, correct? Yep, and it, you can see it online at thefifthelementit.com, and Twitter is Fifth Element. Very cool, folks. So look out for that. And, uh, of course, we are huge uh, fans of everything you do. So I'm sure you'll hear more about Fifth Element uh, in, in the coming weeks, uh, if not uh, from other podcasts, but uh, also from Jurassic Park Minute. So, all right, well, we're going to get out of here. We'll be back tomorrow for Minute Number 41 with uh, both Crystal and Brady and myself, Kyle, here to remind you. Until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at Patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pele Media and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Pele Media. Yeah.